verses Acts 1-8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Bow with me together now as we pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for who you are, and, and as, as Dylan just sang, uh, it is who you are. You're a good, good Father, and we are loved by you. Uh, we don't deserve it, but you love us anyway. Thank you. Now, Lord, as you speak, help us to hear your voice, to respond to you by saying yes to you as Lord. We surrender now as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, we talk a lot about seeing God at work, and, and before I share in the passage, I want to share something I saw just this weekend, yesterday really. Uh, we had a construction skills training that's targeted to people who don't know anything about construction. We did it at Shelby Mission Camp yesterday, and primarily we had, it was largely ladies. We had some men and we had some, some young folks. Uh, we did the same thing back in October. That one focused, we had more young people register. This one was, was more ladies. Uh, we, so it was things like framing in one, one group, uh, and we split it up into sessions. So the first group was a real small group, just two ladies, were working with a couple of guys framing in a building. And there, were, there was a group doing electrical stuff, learning about it. There was a group learning how to hang and finish sheetrock, a group building a wheelchair ramp. And, and then a group putting in flooring, and another group was putting a roof on a, on a place. Well, the two ladies, that was, they were going to do something else later, but the, the first thing they did was they were framing in this building. Neither one of them had ever done anything like that. So they had a gas-powered nail gun. Now, if, if you've got a, an air-powered one, they just kind of go, poof, poof. They, don't, they don't make a whole lot of noise. The gas ones, pass loads, they make a lot more noise, and there's more recoil to it. So this, this lady had it, and they were showing her, and I happened to be standing there at that moment. And she, she put it, and she pulled the trigger, and it went, poof, about like that, and she jumped back, and she just screamed. Well, that, I was just, I was dying laughing. I thought that was, was just funny. And she said, well, it scared me. Well, well then they started showing her you know, a little bit more, and she did a few more. And I went off and did something else. About an hour later, I came back, and the same lady got the same nail gun. By now, they've already built a wall to the, to the building, and they were standing the thing up, about a 24-foot-long wall. They'd already done it. And so she's walking along with the nail gun, and she's and the guys are doing something else, and she, and the other lady that was with her is doing something else, and she's walking along between the studs, and she's just going poop poop and just walking along doing it. And I I came up, I said, now what a difference an hour makes. And she said, well, I was scared to begin with, and I'm not scared now. I know how this thing works, and I know how to work it. When we don't know about something, when we're not familiar with something, a lot of times it, it does scares, scare us. But then when we become familiar, it's not only not scary, but it's almost like a, a welcome friend. Like her, late, the, the guy a couple of hours later having lunch, I was laughing at him, picking at him at lunch, and, and he said, 
Oh, I had to go find another one because those ladies were fighting over who was going to get to do the nail gun. So it went from being a, a scary, and it, they're dangerous now. You know, so, so it went from being a scary thing to something that was desirable. You know, the Holy Spirit can be kind of like that. That when we're not familiar with how the Spirit moves and how the Spirit works, and, and, and we, we start thinking and talking about something that we can't see, then it, and it's a, like in Acts chapter 2, it's sound of a wind, like, which is basically what that nail gun was making, sound of wind. And it can be scary, it can be frightening, but in, in the passage or the verse that we just read, not only is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives not frightening, it's something that's absolutely critical to the life of the church. And the more familiar we are with the Spirit's moving, we don't control the Holy Spirit. But He's more than a friend. And I want to share a, a couple of, of thoughts and, 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 I, and I think challenges about this verse and, and other verses later on. We, we talk often about churches and, and what's most needed in a church. And, and we can come up with the list of strategies or a list of tactics. And this is what we need to do. And a lot of those things are, are very correct. There are certain things and certain details that we need to do. But even if we get the details correct, the thing we need most desperately is the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the Spirit's presence and power. Uh, Billy Graham had taught, and, and Lord bless him, what a tremendous, uh, not only prophet and, and preacher, but a statesman. He, he, he was involved in our government more than we know, you know, for, for decades, counselor to our presidents, and he impacted things and, and the way people lived. But he said often that one of the things that was most needed in church was a revival or a renewal uh, in the church, and that many folks in, in church, our own church roles in particular, uh, didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, taking that even further, there have been many who've said that many of us in church have never had an unforgettable encounter of worship of the living God. And that most of the time, we can explain using human terminology and, and human reasoning what happens in our lives and in our church. Which means we can tell the people down the street, do these things and this is what will happen. That makes it human. That doesn't make it spirit-filled. It makes it human. You know, if we want to paint that wall, there are certain things we're going to need to do. And if we do them, the wall will get painted. But that's a human thing. That's not a spirit thing. So the question I want us to start with this morning is, have you, not, not Conway Baptist Church and all the people that is, but have you seen things happen in your life that can only be explained by the presence and the power of God? Because, you see, that's really what we're looking for. That's what we're asking God to do, is to work and to do things in our lives, and then ultimately in the life of Conway Baptist Church, and then the, the bigger church, Believers in Christ, 
to have things happen that you and I can't explain. I pastored a church in, in St. Paul's, and we had a, uh, when I first got there, we had three youth, all older youth, um, two boys and, and one girl. And again, they were older, and there weren't really a, a lot coming right behind them. And we had a, a good many children several years later. But then we had some, some youth summer workers come in, and, and God really exploded it. And, and uh, we went from three to two years later, had 20-something youth. And one of the local pastors was asking me, he said, well, hey, y'all had stuff happen at, at Great Marsh. What, can you tell me how to build a youth group? And I said, yeah, get, get some, some beautiful young ladies in your youth group, and the boys will come. And then, you know, the guy was laughing. I said, well, I mean, one of the people I'm talking about a few years ago, she was Miss Malibu. I mean, I said, now, that doesn't make it the right way to grow a youth group because now we had some issues, you know, that we had to be direct about and, and set some parameters. And, and again, God worked through it. But then as he and I, once we finished laughing and joking, I, I told him this. I said, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, in the begin, a week or two, some guy's going to come thinking that this girl's going to catch his, or he's going to catch her eye. She's going to be interested. But a week or two later, he finds out she's not interested. You know what he's doing? He's gone. And so that really isn't going to build anything. So as, as this guy and I were talking about it, I said, I, I'm going to be honest. We've got those three that we had. Those are some outstanding People And one of them is the pastor of Vertical Church in Lumberton now, church planter. I said, I'm going to be honest. I have to tell you that God did some things that I don't really know how to tell you what happened. I just know it did. And it was him. And I'm going to praise the Lord for us bringing those youth and, and we'll repeat whatever we can. But the bottom line is we've got to surrender to him. And let him do what he wants to do. And when good things happen, praise him instead of us. And, of course, he and I were friends and we talked about it. And, and honestly, in his church, uh, Pentecostal Holiness Church in St. Paul's, tremendous things were happen for, happening for them too. Well, in, in this passage that we've read about, Jesus said, and these are last words, he goes up to heaven after this. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in, of me to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. So what he said, there's a, there's a prerequisite. Like if you're in college and you want to take you know, courses later on, you've got to have the prerequisites or they won't let you take the other courses. Well, the prerequisite for us being effective witnesses for Jesus Christ is the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. We can't do the other even if we go through the steps effectively without the Spirit. So first of all, and, and these, these three words I'm going to share will be easy to remember. I don't always do this, but this time they, they all start with I. The presence of the Spirit in your life is indispensable. You cannot do without it. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit, everything we do will amount to wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be burned up because it's just us. 
And no matter how accomplished and how good we are, it'll just be us. And it'll be our work, and we will be able to explain it. We did this event. I had a, a friend, a pastor friend in one town. I don't think I told you this, but he wanted to build attendance for his church on high attendance Sunday. Sunday, And so he taped money under the pews. Certain, he really did. I am not making this up. He taped a $5 bill under certain spots in the sanctuary and, and promoted, publicized he was going to do it. You were supposed to go and fill the pew up. And, and then when you, when you got there at a certain point in time, he told you to, you know, to reach under or look under your pew. And, and some people got five bucks. And he was, was telling some of us after the fact, and, and you know, we were like, you, now, now you, really, you, really, you, really? And he was just, oh, we had a lot of people. And I said, I guess you did. And you can, he had people that day because they wanted money. So, yeah. You, and I, I told him, he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think you'd have had more people if it had been 20 instead of 5 bucks. I mean, re really, if that's how you want to grow a church, you can do it if you got enough money. You're going to have to have enough money. But that's explainable. And it's definitely human, even carnal is what that is. That's fleshly. But when the Holy Spirit is, is working, it's, it's indispensable. We can't do without it. Uh, those of you who were cooks, I've got uh, that my mom gave me a Better Homes and Garden cookbook, the old one, the checkerboard one with the hard cover, not the soft cover and you hard ones. If you flip in the back of it, it's got emergency substitutions. So, for instance, if you don't have buttermilk, you can put some lemon juice or orange juice or vinegar or something in a, in a cup, a little bit of it, put the milk on it, wait five or ten minutes, and you got to... You've got a substitute. You don't have buttermilk, but you've got something that in a recipe will, will do. There isn't a substitute for the Holy Spirit. There's not an emergency substitution. It won't matter how hard we work in the long run. In the short run, we can, like revival coming up, we can work hard enough to work something up from down here that will have limited value. But for God to really have control, to really do what he wants, the Holy Spirit is absolutely indispensable. We cannot do without it. We, we must have the power of the Holy Spirit. The, in, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes, and, and then in Acts chapter 4, you, you remember familiar with Acts chapter 4, 31, they were in one place praying, and the place was shaken. They were praying for boldness. And the place was shaken, and then they spoke the word of God with boldness. In, in Acts chapter 8, you know, Stephen's killed in 7. In Acts chapter 8, the church is dispersed. And then later on, a, a couple of chapters later, Peter is, is praying and, and has a vision from heaven. And, and what God did in that progression is he broke up a prayer meeting where the Spirit was moving to send them out. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They're praying, the Spirit comes, and they speak with boldness. 
in chapter 7 and 8 with Stephen. Stephen's praying and he's, he is communing with God. And God busted up the church because of the persecution. And in Acts chapter 8, they went everywhere preaching. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter's got a vision. He's praying and God reveals the, the, the holy and the unholy that, that vision, and so then Cornelius comes, and God breaks down racial barriers through prayer. And so in, in the, the movement of the Holy Spirit in lives, he'll take our communion with him, and he'll give it a whole new life that takes us from a prayer meeting into the street, from the church into the community, and even breaks down barriers that are, are very... Very, we, we think that we've got racial barriers here. It's nothing compared to what they had back then between the Jews and Gentiles. It's not even close. You know, they wouldn't even go in the same part of the country where, where Gentiles were living. It was tremendous. The Holy Spirit's indispensable. But he's also individual. Nobody can experience a movement of the Holy Spirit for you. You know, there are some things you'll get because of who you are. If your mother, father, your, your ancestors were, were certain people in certain countries, you can be the, the king or the queen because of who you were born to. You don't have the Holy Spirit because of who you were born to. The Spirit in your life is absolutely individual. You will either have Him in your life or you don't. Now, the Spirit's given to every believer, not just some, every believer. He has control once we surrender complete control, and then, then He can use us in, in, to our fullest. But we've got the opportunity for the Spirit in our lives, but nobody can do it for you. Now, if we think about the church, if we spent as much time talking to people about the movement of God in our lives as we do talking about other people, we'd have some kind of witness, wouldn't we? Another thing I saw yesterday is as another group of, of ladies primarily was building a wheelchair ramp in a not nice section of Shelby. They're in there doing this ramp, and, and it's, they hadn't been there long this guy pulls up in a, in a black car, and it was a, it was a really nice black car, and he, he, was, he had all the signs when he pulled up. I thought, this is a drug dealer, is what I thought. Well, what he did, he pulls up, he rolls down the window, he said something to a lady that was closest to the road, and what he did is he said, what are y'all doing? And she told him, and then he said, do y'all take donations? And then he stuck 60 bucks out of the window to help pay for somebody else's wheelchair ramp. Now, he probably knew the guy. Now, we don't know him, or I didn't, you know, but they didn't know him. But he saw it, and then when they got back at the end of the day, that group didn't rotate. They stayed there all day. End of the day, I said, well, how'd, how'd everything go? Did you enjoy your sandwiches for lunch, which is all they had? We had hot dogs back at the, the camp, but they just took a ham sandwich with them. And one of the ladies said, we didn't eat those sandwiches. Somebody in the neighborhood brought us pizza. And I said, well, she said, we had pizza. Well, I thought they didn't want the sandwiches and went to buy it. And then she said, uh-uh, we didn't buy it. Somebody down the road just had pizza delivered. And then they came over and they ate pizza with us. When the Holy Spirit is using us, 
people see. When God's moving and, and we're able to make an impact for Him, and it's an individual thing, it's, we're either surrendered to Him and letting Him have control, or we're not. We're doing our own thing. So it is individual. As God moves next week in, in Conway Baptist and this church community and, and this body of believers, there are going to be people who feel God's movement and there are going to be people who simply hear good messages and go home. Surrender individually is what will make the difference. But it's also not just individual. It's indelible. It leaves a permanent mark. Now, now you've got Sharpies and all kind of things, but, but I remember when I was growing up, you had, you had markers, bunches of them, magic markers, and then you had permanent markers. And it would say a lot of times in small writing under the thing, you know, indelible ink. I don't know that they necessarily say that anymore, but a permanent mark is indelible. It doesn't wash away, wear away, wear out. It's there forever. When God puts his mark on our lives, it's a mark that people can see. It's a mark of surrender, and, and it's evident to everybody. I heard a, a rancher talk about uh, branding one time, a Texas rancher, and he was talking about it, talking about his cows. And he said, when I get a cow and it gets a certain age, he said, I, I build a fire out there, and over the hot coals, I, I stick that branding iron in there, and when it gets red hot, I take it, and I brand it into the hide and the flesh of that steer, and therefore that mark, my mark is burned, and that steer's hide for the rest of its life, it is mine. And no matter where it goes, or what it does, or who sees it, they know that that is my animal. So for 30 years I've thought about that image. And of course that's a painful image. The Holy Spirit putting his mark on us isn't necessarily painful. But I've thought about that image and thought how wonderful for the believer that wherever we go when we are marked and we are branded by the Spirit of God that anywhere we go and whatever we do and whoever sees us if we're surrendered and if we're serving and we're doing and we're living like we should anyone will see us and they will know whose we are. How incredible. That God would put his mark on me and on you. That we get to bear his name when we leave. That people can see us and say, that one belongs to the king. I know who she is. I know whose he is. They belong to Jesus. So it's indelible. You know, you, you think, and you, you may be thinking, well, a, a tattoo's indelible. Yeah, but you can have them removed. I mean, it's painful. You, you can have them removed, though. But Jesus said, when you're mine, nobody's going to snatch you out of my hand. Because this is not an ink thing. This is a Jesus thing. And what he's saying to you and me is, surrender to me completely. Put your life 
in my hands and I'll take you and I'll hold you and I will mark you and the Holy Spirit will breathe power into you and some greater things will happen than you can ever imagine and you'll never be able to explain it. And when people ask you, a lot of times you'll have to say, all I know is God was at work. So you'll tell the church down the road, you want to repeat what God did in my life? Surrender to Him. Because it's going to look different down the road. But there's one God. Surrender. To me, it's an amazing thing when God does stuff that that we can't explain. I've shared with you before that... uh, you know, when I look at my life, and I'm, I'm honest, and I, I understand what, what limited gifts I've got, and then I look at other people and, and, and know when I know them well, and I, I'll know some weaknesses and I'll know some strengths, but when we're honest and we look and say, now, God, you, you did what you're doing through me and in me, even in spite of me, that shows, God, how great you are. Paul said it. Paul the Apostle said it. God's grace is made perfect through our weakness. See, it's not about us. It's not explainable. But it does begin with surrender. We've got to give in to Him. Let Him have His way. It's just where it's different than that, than that, that steer, that cow. It, nobody... Nobody's going to physically wrestle you to the ground and force you to take the mark. That, it doesn't happen that way. But God invites you. And he's saying, I, I want to have you as mine for the rest of your life. And then you see what I'll do with your life to surrender. And you've got an opportunity to say no. I, I don't know why anybody would, but we can and then when we go out from here, the people we encounter during the week, they, they can say no to God. Well, I don't know why they would, especially if we show them what God will do with the surrendered life. If all we want to do is convince them, they might say no. But if we're going to show them what God will do, and it will change your life. With that mark of the Spirit, people want to be together, want to gather together. People want to serve. Financially, we we loosen up. Then you want to know, how can I do more, give more, and serve more? But it does begin with surrender. So this morning, are you willing to surrender to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life and have that power? Once you do, you can be a witness Locally, nationally, even internationally. But you won't be able to do what God desires until you surrender. Bow with me now, please. Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for who you are and thankful, God, for what you do. Uh, God, we want to serve you to the greatest of our capacity. And we understand that it all begins with the moment of surrender. We'll never be able to do what you want in our own power. Conway Baptist Church will never be what you desire in its own power. 
So God, help each of us individually this morning to say to you right now, you have me, all of me, I'm holding nothing back, and God, mark me for life. I'm yours. And Lord, thank you. We surrender to you now. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, amen. This morning, our hymn of commitment and invitation is hymn 482, All to Thee. And God's inviting you now. The, the altar's open. You can come and, and kneel here, pray here, bow here. Uh, if, you, if you can't come forward, you can pray in your seats. But this is a moment to say to him, I'm giving over everything to you. And dear God, I want to see you do things in my life that I can't explain away and to prove just how great you are. So that I'll be able to tell people who know me, I can't explain it other than to say, God did it. It's a moment of surrender. Hymn 482, let's stand together now as we sing. <laughs>